So Psalms 23, and we're in verse 1 and 2, and our main focus is going to be verse 3, but let's start at the beginning, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Let's pray. Father, I'm thankful that you are my shepherd. Not just a shepherd, not just a savior, not just a God, but my God. That you've saved me and that you have changed me and you've brought me to the family of God. God, we are thankful for what you do in our lives. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So many of you, I'm sure, you are familiar with the movie series by Pixar, the Toy Story, right? I mean, who doesn't like Toy Story? And Toy Story 2, um, Woody is, uh, of course, with all the other different toys in Andy's room. And uh, Andy, the boy, he is getting ready to go to cowboy camp. So if you know anything about Woody, he's a cowboy. And so what do you take to cowboy camp? You take Woody. And so he's getting all prepped. His mom comes in and says, Andy, five more minutes. He's like, five more minutes. And so he's like, I better play with my toys while I can. And so he does. He's playing with uh, his different toys. He's playing with, with, um, with Woody. And Woody rips his arm. His arm gets ripped as he's being played with right on the shoulder. And he goes, oh, no. And his mom comes in and, of course, says, hey, it's time to leave. And he's like, but Woody, Woody's broken. He, he's, he, his arm is ripped. And he's like, well, do you want to take him? And he goes, Andy's replies, no. And Woody's world is just shattered as he is picked up by, um, by Andy's mother. And he's put on, if you've seen the movie, he's put on the shitters. With all the other broken toys, he looks around, there's a squeaker. You know, the squeakers. And there's other toys they haven't seen in years, and they wonder where they had gone. They're on the shelf. If you know the rest of the story of the movie sale, the garage sale, and he's bought by Big Al. And for us who are old enough to remember Kramer, that's who that Big Al is anyway. And he's purchased by Big Al in his toy store, and he, Woody didn't realize how rare he really was. And a slight rip. And Big Al goes, you know what? I know a guy. I know a guy who can fix him. And so he ends up, he ends up having the toy repair man, an older man, who brings his tools and utensils and his, everything that he needs, his paint, and he's going to freshen up Woody. But what caught me was this. What caught me was this. Is Big Al is impatient. He's impatient, and he asks the older man, how long is this going to take? And the older man says, you can't rush art. You can't rush art. Now I realize it's just a movie. I realize Woody is just a toy. I realize all of it's animated. But how many people, how many of us feel broken and we feel like we could never be fixed? And some of us, we try to rush. We try to rush our lives. We try to rush and try to make a quick fix on something that needs some time. And what we see here in verse 3 
is he restores my soul. And we need restored. And my friend, many of us, we'll try a quick fix. We're like Big Al. How long is this going to take? And we think alcohol. We think if I just take this, this will help. If I just watch this or do this or buy this, that will fix my soul. That will fix my hurt. That will fix my problem. And it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't fix it. You see, the Bible says that we, as his children, are a masterpiece. That God is forming us and changing us through our relationship in Christ. That in Christ, he is molding us. He is developing us. He's even using the bad things, the awful things that have happened to us that weren't from God. But just as we live in this crazy, sin-filled world, we kind of get in the crosshairs of evil and some bad things from time to time and God even uses that and he loves man he loves to wrap his beauty around our brokenness and sometimes it takes a little bit of time it takes a little bit of time so God he restores the broken you see your soul is who you are this body that we see of each other is is just a shell and it can be broken if you were to, and I hope this doesn't happen to anybody, but if you were to fall and you were to break your leg, maybe you have a hairline fracture, maybe it takes four weeks, six weeks, but eventually it will heal. Maybe you've torn a ligament in your knee. I have before. That takes some time. It takes some time to heal, but it heals. Some bones are even stronger after the heal. Some of you have had a hip replacement or a knee replacement, and, you know, and you're better than what you were, and you're feeling good. It took some time. But man, I tell you what, um, we would, as kids, as children, maybe we've even said this to our children, sticks and stones may break my bones, but your words will never hurt me. But let's face it, some of the deepest wounds we have are not physical ones. They're emotional, ones that have touched our soul. And while maybe our Parents have you know, tried to tell us sticks and stones that kind of may not break your bones, but your words will never hear me as a way to cope with mean people or difficult situations. And those might help at school. Those might help with a neighbor or a coworker you don't really get along with. But some of you, that's not your issue. You were deeply hurt by someone you love, by someone who should have been looking out for you. It could be a parent a family member, a spouse, maybe even a child. And so we may feel completely broken at where we're at, where we're at in life, and we wonder, is there any hope? Is there any hope? Can I find hope? Man, when we, when we have hope, it, it changes our world. But when we feel like there's no hope, man, it can cause us to spiral into a depression, into a place none of us desire to be. But I want to give you some assurance here this morning. And one of the reasons that Pete so many love Psalms 23 is he restores my soul. He restores me emotionally. He restores me. He restores my soul. He restores me spiritually and emotionally and where I'm at. And there's, there's times in which we've been wondering and going the wrong way. Have you ever gone the wrong way? Now maybe as a teenager you did some things and you went the wrong way. Sometimes we can look at that and go, well, they were young and they were silly and they were in their 20s and such. Not an excuse, but we can understand it. 
But what about when you know better and you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, or whatever age you are, and you go the wrong way? Maybe even, you may even be convinced that that was the right way. Years ago, I can't remember the name of the player now, he played for the Vikings. He played in, he played in the NFL for 20 years. He went to four Super Bowls. But you know what this guy's known for? He's known for picking up a fumble and running the wrong way and his team chasing him, running as fast as they can. Get this big old linebacker trying to run him down and he gets to the end zone. He just scored a safety for the other team and gave him two points. He throws the ball. He's celebrating. He's so excited. He's a veteran. He should know better. And he sees his teammates with the look of despair on their face. And you just see him go down. Despite the years of playing, despite being a veteran, despite being played in some of the big Super Bowls on TV, he's known for one thing. And maybe wherever you're at right now, man, you've been faithful to the Lord. And right now you're tempted to go the wrong way. Or you're so bullheaded, you're not going to listen to the word of God in which it clearly says what you should do and should not do as a guide for our life, an instruction manual to lead us and to guide us, and you're so convinced you should go the other way. My friend, you're going to find yourself, you're going to find yourself on a path that is not one of righteousness. I want to show you a picture. It's of a sheep. It's just not of any sheep. It's of a sheep named Shrek. Shrek. There he is. Here's the thing with Shrek. The normal amount of wool you get off a sheep is around 10 pounds. At most, 15 in rare circumstances. But Shrek, he wandered off from his flock. And for six years, Shrek was by himself. (laughs) For six years, his wool just grew and grew and grew. He was away from his shepherd. No one to take care of him. And on his back is 60 pounds of wool. Now, if you've ever seen a video of a sheep shearing sheep, they're pretty good at it. They're pretty quick at it. But it took a professional sheep shear, say that three times fast, <laughs> 28 minutes to shear him. Now, maybe it's a stretch, but I think Shrek is much like a person who knows Jesus Christ but has wondered. And if we avoid Christ's constant refining of our character, we're going to accumulate extra weight in this world, a weight we do not have to bear and when Shrek was found, when it was found, he was set free of the 60 pounds that was weighing him down. It didn't have to be on him, but he'd wandered away from the shepherd. He wandered away. And maybe, maybe that's you right now. And there's things that you're carrying you don't have to carry. But like a sheep, you're being prideful. Like a sheep, you're being stubborn. And like a sheep... Like Shrek, you just wandered off all by yourself. And maybe someone offended you. Maybe it was even another Christian who 
Man, in a time of weakness in your life, maybe they said something cross to you and it just hurt you in the wrong way. I get it. I get it. Those, those things can happen from time to time. But as we keep our eyes on Christ, even when people act like people, like I say, you know, if you find the perfect church, don't join it because you'll just mess it up, <laughs> including me. Because there's no perfect church. And when you realize a church is full of people who need Jesus, you know, every now and then, maybe you've said it yourself, why would I go to church? It just has hypocrites there. Well, I always ask, is there a better place for a hypocrite than church? Maybe, just maybe, that hypocrite will change their ways and will see the truth of God's word. You see, humanity is broken. It is needs restored look around right now in our world <laughs> i haven't spoken on israel yet i will in the near future but if you think our world's getting crazy it is part of me it, it excites me because of studying god's word studying prophecy of knowing that that um, the one day the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back again. And though we don't know when or the day or the hour, we know that there are signs that were given in Scripture. And you don't need to watch the United States, what we're going through. You watch Israel and you see what we're going through. But humanity's broken. And it needs a Savior. It needs restored. Psalms 19, 7 says this. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect. The Lord of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making the wise the simple. So what does that mean, the Lord of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul? That when you look at the commands of God, when you take the Ten Commandments, for example, and you realize that you, and you think to yourself, you know what, I, I should get into heaven. Do I really need restored? Do I really need even saved? I, I'm a pretty good person. I'm a pretty good person, so surely I should get into heaven because, you know, I help my neighbor out, I help my coworkers out, I, I go to church some, like, I give to this organization, like, I try to do good things, and those are all good. And we think to ourselves, well, if I can just earn my way to heaven, or if I'm good enough to get to heaven, I'll do the good works to get to heaven, but this is what the scripture says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. What does that mean? It means that as you look at the Ten Commandments, you see how much you need a Savior. You see how much you need restored, and you need restored. When you look at the Ten Commandments, you see this. We see that we're called that no one should lie. No one should lie. How many of us have ever lied before? Bear false witness. Every one of us, if you're truthful, we all have lied. A simple lie, a great lie, a little white lie, we all have lied. It says that we shouldn't steal anything. Well, how many of us have stole something, great or small, at any point in time? Go, well, I never stole anything. Well, if you just thought, well, I have lied some, how can we believe you? Just saying. You know, the Bible says that we shouldn't commit adultery. Maybe you've committed adultery. Jesus took it a step further that to look at someone lustfully is to commit adultery in your heart. I mean, how many of you have not looked at someone and lust? I mean, you go on down the line, as you look at the Ten Commandments, have you ever taken God's name in vain? Said, GD this, or Jesus Christ this, and using a holy name, the holy name of God in vain is a sin. It's very clear in the Ten Commandments. And as you look at the Ten Commandments, you go, man, I'm going, I can't make it into heaven on my own. In fact, when you look at the Ten Commandments, and you're truthful and you're honest with yourself, you go, I, I deserve hell. And you know what? You do. I do. You do. Every one of us, we do. 
And until you come to that point, you cannot be saved. You will not seek and, and put your pride aside and accept Christ. How can you be restored if you think you have it all together? So the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. When you realize, man, I can't do this on my own. I need a Savior. I need Jesus. You realize, realize the preciousness of God's grace and his mercy. Is grace really grace or mercy really mercy when you think you can just get into heaven on your own? It's not. But when you realize how much you deserve because of our sin, how much of our, our sin is a front to God, and you might think, man, why would God even love me? I don't know, but he does, and he, I'm, I'm thankful that he does. And so today, if you feel broken and useless and aimless, the Lord is ready to restore you and wrap his beauty around your brokenness. So God, he restores the broken. We're all broken, but Christ restores. God leads us to the right path. Notice what it says. Notice what it says in verse 3. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. He leads me in paths of righteousness. So my shepherd, in this passage, as it starts off, the Lord is my shepherd, lets us know that this is dealing with those who are in his fold, that are believers, that are Christians. This paths of righteousness is not dealing or saying that there's many different paths to heaven. Okay, that's not what it's, what it's saying. Uh, it's saying that the Lord has, has for us, we need to break this down, we need to break this down, that this word righteousness in the original language means adhering to moral standards like honesty, justice, uprightness. So like a shepherd who guides his sheep along the right way, the right path, our Savior does that for us. So this path of righteousness is not one of salvation, though we are made righteous, righteous in Christ, definitely, but in Christ, he leads us. This is the right path. This is the wrong path, and he guides us, and he shows us, and he's patient with us, and like a shepherd, he calls us, and God leads his people on the correct path. How? Well, one through his word, through the Holy Spirit that is given to every single believer. As we are filled by the Spirit, we're directed by the Spirit. And there's even people God puts in our lives that love us, that are believers, help mentor us, and help lead and guide us as well. But if we're honest, though, as we look out into this world, maybe we think back on our lives, um, the right path in which God gives is not normal. It's not normal. In fact, Jesus said as much in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. The right paths is paths of righteousness in which God leads us to go on. It's not normal in this world. Notice what it says. Enter by the narrow gate. Wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult, notice that part, difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Think about this. The broad and wide is the road and gate which the majority of people travel. Now, unfortunately, the crowd 
is where many people find comfort. Why is that? Because they look around at the crowd and they go, well, you know, I see so-and-so next to me. There's a lot of people going this way. This should be the way. And some of that makes sense in our brains. Think about it. If you go to a restaurant at 6 o'clock on a Friday or Saturday evening and you're the only one there, you're going, honey, did we look up what Yelp said? Did we look up, like, what's the rating of this restaurant? Is it like D or C or like, you know, get out of here? Like, what should we do? But if you go to a restaurant and it's busy and it's packed and you got to wait a little bit and the food is excellente, you're not near as concerned. Why? Because everyone else is there. We have some of that in life. We look around and we go, well, everyone else is doing this. Yeah, you know, it's not really that bad. What's the big deal? And if you're on the broad road, uh, let me say this as soberly as I can, as nice as I can. If your life looks like everyone else's life, If you're doing what everyone else is doing, if you are pretty normal, it could be that you're on the road, the broad road, that leads to destruction. Because when you leave the normal road to get on the smaller one, where few are, the normal people will think that you're strange, that your life does not look the same as theirs. They're going to look at you a little bit differently. Not because you look funny. Not because you're a Browns fan. They're going to look at you Because they realize spiritually something's different. They realize, they realize that you don't talk the same way as everyone else. You don't go to even some of the same places as everyone else. That the way you talk about your spouse is different than many other people around them. That the way you look at the world and the way uh, what you talk about changes. What you do on your Sunday mornings and your Sundays It's different. You see, Jesus challenges us to follow down a path less traveled. And he said, it's a difficult path. Because even if we take the Bible aside and we just look at this practically, we just look at life practically, we look at our world practically, can we really honestly say that normal is working? Think about it. What's normal for most people in their schedules? Overwhelmed, rushed, stressed, panicked, never having enough time for truly what's important because they're overwhelmed with the urgent and missing out on what's the most important. Normal isn't working. What is normal? Normal is the pursuit of material things that never make us happy. Normal is broke. Normal is debt. Normal is financial fear. Normal is fighting about money. Think about one's professional life. What is normal today? Working paycheck to paycheck, doing something you really don't like just to get by. Normal is feeling that there's got to be something more. You just can't quite find what it is. What is normal in relationships? I mean, let's face it, normal in relationships today is hopping from, especially when you're younger, hopping from one bed to another bed to another bed until you get married. Then, um, Then in that marriage, that maybe you've been living together for a while and you decide, hey, this is not working, so you take your toothbrush and you move on to the next one. Normal is living with multiple different people before you get married. And then you get married, and yet in our world as a whole, then working. So what works? The narrow path works. 
And I won't go into the, the statistics. I've used them before. But if you look at, and it drives me crazy when people just repeat things, just repeat it. They'll say, well, it's the same in the church, isn't it? 50%? No, it's not. In fact, that's, that's a lie straight from Satan. You can't, you can't find any reputable material that says, yes, it's the same in the church. In fact, what you can find is when you take a couple that is married and loves Jesus and they're faithful in church, they're involved in some capacity, they're giving financially as well, and you put all that together, it's less than like 5% of those couples ever get divorced. Think about that. Just think about that. It, it goes even higher if a couple in your family, if they pray together and they pray with their children. That gets even lower. So normal isn't working. What works? What works? Jesus works. The narrow path is works. Because a preacher, that's not easy. Anything worthwhile in life is, is never easy. Never easy. It, it, it just... It just isn't. And, 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 and truly, you really, don't, you really don't want it to be. Do, you, do you, think, you think about some of the great feats that some people have accomplished? If it was just given to them, would they have been as celebrated? Would they have been um, uh, appreciate uh, what they had near as much? Think about what's been given to you versus what you earned. There was some blood, sweat, and tears. You appreciate some of those things much more in which you took time. And so we see in this world today, and the world just wants to put God at the end, at, at, at the end, on the back burner. And so what, what is normal today? Normal is dealing with guilt, shame, and regret, and living by the law of the jungle instead of the law of the Lord. Normal isn't working. It's not working. And I'll kind of throw this in here a little bit. And I've spoken on this. Now, no question, there's probably different opinions in the Christian world, maybe even our own church, on abortion. And I've seen some ads. Man, just honestly, some of them are just straight out of hell. Because even if, even if you're here and maybe we disagree about, you know, pro-choice and pro-life. The state of Ohio is up to 21 or 21 weeks and six days. Now, I disagree with that, and maybe you're for that. But are we honestly going to pass, make not a law, an amendment to our Constitution that allows babies to be, just hear me out, butchered up to time of birth? The fact that we're even voting on that is just awful to me. So, so even if you're pro-choice, can you honestly look yourself in the mirror and go, that's okay? And there's some additional things. And let me tell you, I'm just speaking from my heart here a little bit. We're getting ready to open up, if this goes through, the Pandora box. This is a test date. You know that, right? This is a test date. And if it goes through... If you, you think you've heard a lot about transgenderism, you haven't heard anything yet in the state of Ohio if that passes. Just saying, giving you a heads up. That's where we're at today. So preacher, why are you so, you know, spoken on this so many times? Because it matters. And it's not 
a political issue, it's a biblical issue. And if something's a biblical issue, I'm going to speak on it as much as I want. Okay? Amen. This is what I want you to see. The right path is not normal. This right path is a different direction. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually. You ever feel out of place? You ever feel out of place? As a Christian, you should at times feel out of place in your life. You may even feel a little alone. Now, you may not, you know you're not alone. The Lord's always with you. You know, you, it's one, another reason why it's so important to have community of knowing you're not alone. And we don't always have to agree on everything. Amen? There's some things we may see, have different, you know, ideas about. But we need community. It's centered around our Lord Jesus Christ. But, you know, if you take a, if you take a fish... And you take a fish, it feels comfortable in the water. But you take that fish out of the water, it's going to flop all around. Why? That's not where it belongs. You take an eagle, where does an eagle feel most comfortable? Soaring in the sky. An eagle wasn't meant just to be caged up. And so, Christian, when you don't feel like, hey, this world doesn't feel quite right, man, you know what that's a good sign of? You're on the right path. You're on the path of righteousness. And as we're on the pace of righteousness, we do want to make sure we don't become self-righteous, because that's not of the Lord either. We want to lovingly lead people and show them this is the way to go. We follow Jesus together, and follow me as I follow Jesus. And so that's what we're called to do. And so when it comes, man, when it comes to our faith, God teaches us to think differently about our time and how we manage it, about our money and how we use it, about our relationships, how we date, how we have friends, how we prepare for marriage, how we raise our children. I mean, God teaches you to think differently about values, having kingdom values instead of worldly values. And it shapes our worldview. Everyone has a worldview and how we look at the world. And, and so the worldview, it is shaped by God. Now, we can let easily our feelings shape it, and we have a world that is led a lot by its feelings. We have the media that loves to shape it, movies and TV shows that do shape it as well. But at the end of the day, what should we do? We let God shape our values by his word, by the leading of the spirit. And so I'll encourage you that truth is greater than our feelings. Truth, we should be led, and that should help us and filter what kind of worldview we have. And so many, and even some believers, and some of us have seeped into the church, our worldview isn't based off Scripture. It's simply based off what we feel. Now, feelings, they're indicators, but they should never be a dictator in your life. Don't ignore your feelings. I'm not saying that. God gave you those feelings for a reason. They're from Him. They're good. But, man, our feelings can lead us astray. They can. Have you ever been on a diet? Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm doing good. This is day three, and you're doing good, and then you drive by UDF. <laughs> you laugh because you've done it. <laughs> I see it because I've done it. <laughs> Our feelings can lead us astray. 
And so instead of asking ourselves, can we do something, people on the narrow path ask themselves this, should I do this? What would the Lord want me to do? We also ask, is this a good thing or is this a great thing? Should I say no to this even though it's good and it's keeping me from using my gifts and abilities for what God has designed me for? And so we look at a little bit differently. And I'll say this. I'm going to wrap this up. The more I pursue Christ, the stranger I become. Not in a bad way, but in a God way. But in a God way. And it's biblical. I mean, Peter talks about this. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires. Why? Because which war against your soul. Live in such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. You see, the way we live matters. The way we think matters because the way we think determines the way we behave so god has called us to so much more and the next time we are tempted to rebel to go our own way rather than the shepherd's way may we remember this may we remember this that we are actually rebelling against our own best interest just ask yourself this christian do you really believe god has your best in mind If the answer is yes, then you know what you should do. And lastly, God will not abandon you. Why? Notice what it says in verse 3. For his name's sake. He's going to restore you. He's going to lead you. Why? For his name's sake. For who he is. He is our father. He loves us. He is for us. He's not against us. And he's willing to go and find his lost sheep and restore the change. I love what Philip Keller wrote in his book about this. I'm going to read this. He details a cast down sheep and what the shepherd does to get him back on his feet. And quote, when sheep lay on their back, Gas begins to collect in their stomach. It hardens the stomach, cuts off the air passage, and they can suffocate. Not only that, their legs go numb in the position, and they need a shepherd to restore them. And when the shepherd restores a cast-down sheep, it doesn't just happen immediately. It takes time, and the shepherd lovingly massages the four legs to get some circulation back. Then he begins to talk in a reassuring tone to the sheep. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. And then he gently turns the sheep over, lifts it up because it cannot stand up on its own. He'll hold the animal there while the sheep begins to to get his equilibrium. And the blood begins to flow. And he starts to feel his legs again. When When the shepherd is sure that the sheep can stand on its own, the shepherd will lovingly lead the sheep where he needs to go. And what a picture. When, on, when you were on your back, and emotionally broken, grieving, or in shame, you have a shepherd that will show grace through his spirit, 
He lets us know, I'm waiting for you. I love you. I'll forgive you. And I will restore you. And as believers, we can rest and take comfort in God's sovereignty. And one could ask, where does that man's free will and God's God's sovereignty intersect? That's a wonderful question that many have debated for years. But God is sovereign. And many times we become distraught when we've made a wrong decision. And we need to understand that while we made this wrong decision, our Lord, our Savior, He hasn't thrown us to the side. He's looking to restore. And the enemy in which we have, he wants you to think you're so broken that you could never be used again. That some of your unwise decisions and maybe this straight-up sin has you so disqualified you could never be used by the Lord again. But God is good. And he's not done with you yet. And as Paul wrote, that God causes all things to work to good. He works all those things out for his good, for our good, for those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. There's no greater tragedy than to finish this life without having known or fulfilled the plan in which God created you for. And what I want you to know Maybe right now you're living an aimless life. Not sure where you're going. God restores. And then he leads. Let's pray. Father, you are so good to us. And there's not a one of us here that have it all together. There's not a one of us here who without sin and there's not a one of us here right now that you will not restore so during this time of reflection as we're praying this time of reflection maybe maybe it's time for you to come back to the Lord and let him restore your soul Maybe you're watching or you're here and you have never never made the decision to become a Christian, but you've been thinking about it. And you realize today is that day. It's time for you to come to the shepherd, the great shepherd. You can do that today. You can pray, Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I'm asking you to save me. Jesus, I'm asking you to restore me. Maybe you're here and you're like Shrek the sheep and you're carrying so much right now that you don't even have to carry. Maybe you need to pray to the Lord and say, God, take these burdens that are on my shoulders right now. Take these issues that I can't get out of my mind. God, 
forgive me of how I have failed you and feel so guilty, so shameful. God, restore me. Maybe that's where you're at. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for restoring us. Thank you for leading. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.